0: The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City. Hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, For those of you, I I would say seeing you, but uh, I can't see your faces. And it's probably for the best. Um, Short attention span, easily distracted. Um, My name is Stephen Sandridge. Uh, I am from the Story City Granada Hills uh, location. I'm the Sunday service coordinator there and one of our elder candidates there and so it's my pleasure to be with you guys today. It's been a minute um, since I've been here in Burbank on a Sunday morning so I'm really excited to be back with you today. Uh, to share God's Word. Uh, Before we do that, though, uh, I'd like to invite you to stand as we read the Scripture for today. And um, uh, once I finish, I'm just going to pronounce this as the Word of the Lord, and you're invited to respond. Thanks be to God. So uh, today's Scripture today is um, John 10, uh, 1 through 10. Truly, I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate... Is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of a speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Jesus said again, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. This is the word of the Lord. Have a seat. Um, I would have gotten up on stage quicker, but I just got out of an escape room, so um, I'm a little slow. Um, Anyways, uh, so yes, I have introduced myself now, so I'm not going to do that again. Uh, We will revisit that passage today, but don't worry, you guys are good for standing. You can stay seated the next time we get there. so, yes, uh, Stephen, hi, nice to meet you. It's been a while since I've seen some of you. Some of you, this might be the first time we uh, see each other. Uh, feel free to say hi after the service. I love to talk about Marvel movies and professional wrestling. So, you know, whatever, just a couple of icebreaker topics. Um, we, uh, my wife, Allison, is here with me today, too. Uh, she's actually our AD of kids at Granada Hills. And so, uh, you know, praise for having a, a kids team that will allow their AD to, to have a week off. <laughs> praise God. Um, I'm so glad she's here to uh, uh, support me and encourage me and, and tolerate me. Um, we have uh, so we have four children. Uh, they all been adopted from. They were all adopted from Uganda. They're actually all serving today uh, at Granada Hills, uh, but they're some of the most amazing people people you'll ever meet uh, if you get the opportunity to do so. Um, so we we just collectively, our family and our Granada family, we just appreciate all the prayers that you guys have had for us since we've launched last year. Um, as we continue to love and serve our community there in Granada Hills, and as we're approaching uh, our first birthday there uh, in the fall, so uh, we're super excited. Yes, uh, we will do whatever the church equivalent is of destroying the cake instead of actually eating it. You know, uh, it's gonna be. We're very excited over there. Uh, so anyway, uh, before we dig in to the actual text today, let's revisit that minute to mingle question: escape rooms. So. Uh, Show of, just show of hands, whoever's been in one, uh, I can at least see hands. Cool. Uh, so how many of you succeeded? Just curious. Okay. If you failed, don't worry. We, we will not expose you for that. It's okay. Uh, I mean, if you're proud of that, good for you. Cause you know, perseverance, uh, is developed in that stuff. Um, listen, I've only done it once and we just, I won't give our time, but we did succeed. Um, barely. Uh, so, uh, we made it out. The, the experience was fascinating to me, though. It was only just a few months ago in the spring when we did it, uh, us and some, some friends of ours from Granada. And uh, for some reason, I was the one put in charge of researching what room we were going to try and conquer, even though I had zero experience in this. Um, so I didn't realize how many options and themes there are to the rooms, you know? Uh, some of them require a little bit of athleticism to, uh, to succeed, and we did not pick that one, um, not my game. Um, so, And some of them have kind of like a horror or frightening kind of theme to it. Uh, I was also informed by many others in our group not to pick that one as well, so we didn't do that. Um, and some are just straightforward puzzles. And uh, normally I feel like kind of plugging things in a sermon is weird, but the place we went to was called Hypnotic uh, uh, Escape Rooms. And uh, they have like an L.A. themed one. It was called Escape L.A., which was actually, it was a really uh, really fun. Now, granted, it's the only escape room I've ever done, but it was really good. Um, So anyway, uh, all that to say, so much variety and so many differences in the kind of escape rooms you can do, but there's a couple of things every escape room has in common. Uh, One, you can't always assume the same approach you've always done to solving a problem uh, in there, and secondly, and this is probably the more prevalent point for us today, there's only one way in and there's only one way out. Today, we're looking at a passage out of the Gospel of John, and we're going to get back to that text again shortly, um, but we're dropped right into the middle of a conversation that Jesus is having with the Pharisees, uh, the Pharisees being these religious leaders of his day, these men who identify themselves as the great teachers and the scripturally well-educated elite of the time. Um, Jesus and the Pharisees, if this is your first time at church or first time in a while, they did not get along. Um, Throughout the book of John, uh, Jesus makes a lot of claims to equate himself with God. So he he says things like, you know, I am the bread of life. Uh, I am the light of the world. You know, uh, I am the gate. Um, And so when he's saying that, he's not just making a declaration. When he says the phrase, I am, he's pulling the name of God, Yahweh, to these religious leaders' faces. Basically saying, I, the living God, am the bread of life. I, the living God, am the light of the world. I, the living God, am the gate. And um, so, you know, that's a controversial statement to people who consider themselves the most religiously educated people of the culture. Um, <clears throat> so while he's doing that, Jesus is also frequently and justifiably pointing out the pervasive hypocrisy of the Pharisees as they li- in their life. And they try to frame him in... in um, Retaliation as a blasphemer so uh, so they can try to arrest him or, or even have him killed so um, before we actually get back to John Ten, I want to tell you a story that happens in john nine it'll I know i 'm probably just trying to like make the most of the time i 've been gifted here you know my once a year I get to come over here and visit you guys, but I promise this this makes John Ten make a lot more sense. Um, of this story that happens just before Jesus starts kind of going in on the Pharisees here. Um, So Jesus is already under their skin because he's already made a couple of these I am statements to them. Um, And clearly, you know, they're not happy about that. But Jesus and his disciples are traveling at this point and they come across this uh, blind beggar. And uh, when they do that, the disciples notice him and they ask Jesus, you know, just kind of out of curiosity, hey, Jesus, it should be noted too. Uh, this blind man has been blind since the time he was born. Uh, that's a key point in this. They ask him, "Hey Jesus, you know he's been blind since he was born. Was that because he sinned, or was it because of something his mom and dad did wrong?" Um, already equating his suffering as something that he deserved, like something he did, and is a punishment he's received. And Jesus quickly answered them. He's like, "Well, it's nobody's fault." That he's blind. He said, This happened so that the works of God could be displayed in his life. Um, Now, that is an entirely different sermon we could preach uh, today um, in those two statements, and I'm not going to do that. I'm just coming to give you the one today. Don't worry, Um, if I can help it. So, uh, Jesus says that the work of God is is to be displayed in this man's life, and boy, does it. Jesus heals the blind man and restores his sight, and the man goes back home to his neighborhood forever changed. Um, his neighborhood is actually torn. Some of them are astonished, saying, like, hey, isn't this the guy who used to sit and beg all the time? And other people are like, um, no, 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 he just looks like that guy. That Because that guy's blind, so this is, this is not that guy. And the whole time, the blind man now. Um, in my notes, I say the phrase blind man a lot from here on out. We can just all agree he's formerly blind. It's just to make it a little smoother for you guys. Um, <clears throat> so... The blind man says, hey, no, no, I'm that guy. I'm him. Uh, And they say, well, how come you can see now? And he's like, well, this guy uh, that they call Jesus, he healed me. And they say, you know, well, okay, where's Jesus? And he's like, "Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know where he is. So what they do, they do the next best thing culturally. They bring him to the Pharisees to try to gather understanding about this. Um, on what happened. So the first Pharisee response, once they find out that Jesus is the one who healed him, is like, "Uh uh-uh, no, no, no. We already know that guy is not from God because, um, one, they don't say this, but it's because we don't like him. Um, But also, they said, is because uh, he healed on a Sabbath day. And uh, that's against our rules. Not God's rules, by the way. They made that one up. Um, And so... (laughs) Since it was against their man-raid rules, that was all the justification they needed in rejecting Jesus, despite a miracle standing right before their faces. So despite the blind man's testimony, the Pharisees didn't believe him, and then they even brought his parents in to try to verify the account. Um, his parents are actually afraid of being excommunicated, of being exiled from the community, from the, from the synagogue. Um, And so when they're questioned, they're like, listen, our son's of age. uh, Ask him. Just let him tell you. Uh, We're not talking about that. Um, And so they do one more time. They go to, um, you know, they go to the blind man again, the Pharisees, and like some sort of like corrupt police interrogation you'd see in a bad movie or something. like, just tell us, you know, Jesus was a sinner. Just do it, you know, do the right thing here. Kind of stuff. And um, just at my personal opinion for for this story, and one of the most brief, beautiful testimonies we see in scripture, the blind man steps back and, like, he just says, listen, sinner, no sinner, I, I don't know about that. But I'll tell you what I do know I was blind, and now I can see. And he goes on from there, and he takes the Pharisees' logic and starts to turn it on them. And he's like, you know, you guys tell us that God can't, can't or won't listen to sinners, but here I am, a healed man, so Jesus must be from God. They didn't like that. Um, the Pharisees, the religious elite, have been exposed, and if I may say outwitted, by a humble blind beggar. And they choose their own reputation over the truth, and they cast the blind man out of the synagogue, banished from his people, and labeled as no longer one of them. But scripture goes on to tell us that Jesus learns that this has happened, and he goes and he finds the blind man, and one last conversation happens between the two before we get back to chapter 10 here. Jesus asks the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And uh, I'm just so taken with, like, the endearing honesty of the blind man because he's like, who is that? <laughs> uh, he's, I mean, it's like, if you tell me who he is, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in because he has already, you know, he's already committed to Jesus or whoever he understands Jesus to be at this point. Um, and Jesus says more or less, well, you're looking at him, pun intended. Um, Jesus didn't say pun intended, that was me, sorry. Um, Although he had a sense of humor, read your Bible. Um, And immediately, the man says, Lord, I believe, and starts to worship Jesus. So this man, who was healed by Jesus, and and couldn't even see him at first, Still knew that he was dealing with someone sent from God and was quick to believe, while the religious leaders, the Pharisees, retreated into their spiritual hypocrisy and again solidified themselves as false gatekeepers to the kingdom of God. So, not unlike what I mentioned about the escape room earlier, there's only one way in and one way out, which leads me to introduce today's big idea. There is only one gate. Jesus says, I am the gate. He is the way in and the way out. Now that we've seen what just occurred in the previous chapter, now let's revisit the passage for today. Don't worry, you don't have to stand again. I'm a man of my word. Uh, Knowing that Jesus is now addressing the Pharisees directly as a result of their treatment of the blind man. Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them, Pharisees, this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling him telling them Jesus said again truly I tell you I am the gate for the sheep all who came before me are thieves and robbers but the sheep didn't listen to them I am the gate if anyone enters by me he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture a thief only thief comes only to steal kill and destroy I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance Immediately, we see, see Jesus take the Pharisees to task and steps in on behalf of the blind man, representative of all who have chosen to acknowledge Jesus and follow him up to this point. In identifying himself as the gate, and right after this, we'll t- take a look at this towards the end, um, he calls, also calls himself the good shepherd. Along with the rest of Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus fulfills a prophecy that is given in Ezekiel 34, where God condemns unjust shepherds and promises us a perfect one. Um, in Ezekiel thirty-four ten through 16, the prophet Ezekiel writes this. This is what the Lord God says. Look, I am against the shepherds. I will demand my flock from them and prevent them from shepherding the flock. The shepherds will no longer feed themselves, for I will rescue my flock from their mouths so that they will not be food for them. For this is what the Lord God says. See, I myself will search for my flock and look for them. As a shepherd looks for his sheep on the day he is among the scattered flock, so I will look for my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and total darkness. I will bring them out from the peoples, gather them from the countries, and bring them to their own soil. I will shepherd them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will tend them in good pasture, and their grazing place will be on Israel's lofty mountains. They will lie down in a good grazing place. They will feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I will tend my flock and let them lie down. This is the declaration of the Lord God I will seek the lost, bring back the strays bandage the injured, and strengthen the weak. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will shepherd them with justice. This takes us to our first observation today. The gate calls his own sheep into the flock. Jesus, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, he is the one who gathers his sheep and is faithful and dependable and trustworthy to do so. Um, in the in com, commentary he wrote on the Gospel of John, Pastor Matt Carter writes this. He says, If you have believed on Jesus, you are his sheep and will never be forgotten. Religious leaders may cast you aside, but your shepherd will come and gather you to himself. He's a personal shepherd. He knows your strengths and weaknesses. He knows if you're an older sheep who walks a little slower now. He knows if you're a younger sheep, full of energy and enthusiasm, who likes to wander away and explore. He knows when you need to rest, and he knows when you need to eat. He knows everything about you. Jesus gathers and calls his own sheep, like in the way he came back to the blind man. And Jesus says, the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Now, I'm just going to make an assumption, since it's 2023 that everybody in this room has some sort of smartphone or something compatible. Um, so I've got an iPhone here, uh, got a Mac right here in front of me, and as, all, as we're all familiar with right now, there is a certain robot assistant for the purposes of keeping this service running smoothly, will remain nameless. Um, I've had waking nightmares that this thing would pop up and interrupt me at this point in the sermon uh, and run it off course, and so it sounds like I'm just doing it myself right now. All right, so... Uh, Self-fulfilling prophecies. Okay, let's just keep it to scriptural prophecies here today. Um, that being said, uh, listen, I'm, I'm not an expert on how that technology works, uh, but I have noticed this. When I call out to her, um, and let's say I'm in the same room with my family, who um, all have their own devices that also possess uh, this program, um, something I've noticed is that only the phone that belongs to me responds to my voice. Because my phone knows my voice. It doesn't respond to a voice that it doesn't recognize. Uh, Now, technologically, I don't know how that makes you feel, but spiritually, it's very encouraging. Um, And and if you belong to the shepherd, that you'll recognize his voice. And... Looking back to the story of the blind man, you know, I I didn't read that account verse by verse for you, but if you on your own time ever wanted to go back and read John nine, you'll see that it very much stands to reason that the blind man actually never knew the face of Jesus until after he was kicked out of the synagogue and Jesus came to gather him. All he had to go off of was the voice of the shepherd, and he knew the voice of the shepherd once he was healed. And from that point on, he wasn't about to be intimidated by those who were threatened by Jesus' authority and wanting to take him down. Sheep who know the voice of their shepherd, it says in verse 5, will never follow a stranger because they don't know the stranger's voice. On the flip side of that, in verse 6, we very clearly see that the Pharisees didn't understand Jesus. So what does that tell us about them? While they belonged to the nation of Israel... Uh, these hard-hearted, self-righteous men did not belong to God because they didn't know the voice of the true gate and the true shepherd, even though it had been speaking to them face-to-face continuously. So I beckon you today to listen. Listen to recognize the voice of Jesus in your life if you're unfamiliar with it because he knows you, and he wants to see you gathered to himself because As it is with all who belong to Jesus, the gate for the sheep, he not only calls us into his flock, but our second observation today is this. The gate brings us into safety. The gate doesn't just provide entry. It also serves to prevent invasion. The hearers of Jesus' message would be quick to understand the imagery here of the gate as during this time... The way a sheep 's pen would be constructed would typically be like stones arranged like in a square formation, and there 's only an entry point on one side. Um, if someone or something attempted to infiltrate the flock, it was on the shepherd to deal with it. The role of protector pertaining to shepherds is very real, and um, personally i 'll admit very far beyond the pictures of shepherds I grew up with as a kid. Uh, whether it 's like kids dressed up as like Linus, uh, you know from the Charlie Brown Christmas special um, or thank you um, or even better the precious moments uh figurines uh, as well um, not exactly true to life of what i hate to I hate to shock anybody 's foundations today i don't want to shatter any worldviews, but um uh, shepherds had a much more dangerous uh, role and protection than what we present uh, in, in our ideas. On the contrary, one of the earliest shepherds we learn about in scripture, the eventual King David, he gives his shepherding resume, as it were, to kings to the then King Saul when he's applying, so to speak, to fight Goliath. And uh, 1 Samuel, David says this to Saul. 1 Samuel 17, 34 through 36, he says, David answered Saul Your servant has been tending his father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them for he has defied the armies of the living God. Have you ever seen a lion or a bear up close? <laughs> Do you know how big a lion's head is alone, like the rest of their body? Have you ever seen cocaine bear? Like, it's crazy. Like, all right, that was not in my notes, but like I just wanted to lighten the tension a little bit. But seriously, like, of all animals, you know, the Lord would teach us, like, you know, in, in this, both of those are some of the most terrifying animals to try to have to face with your, no pun intended, bare hands, like, it is insane, and yet, the shepherd who loves his sheep will go toe to toe or paw to paw with anything that threatens its lambs. Uh, that whole, you know, trash talk about Goliath, I almost cut that part out when I was referencing this, but I uh, decided to lead that in, leave that in um, just to remind us all today that whether it's an actual sheep, uh, an army, or God's people, he is calling to himself that God does not suffer the mistreatment, abuse, or exploitation of his people, and he will deliver his people from false shepherds as he's given us a truly good shepherd in the person of Jesus Christ. That warning doesn't just exist in the times of Jesus either. It's applicable today. Uh, One of the reasons God has called for the existence of pastors to serve in churches is to help protect the church from those who would disguise themselves as belonging to Christ, but actively working to take your focus off of the things of Jesus. Every time I'm offered the opportunity to share God's word with you here at Story City, whether it's here in Burbank or back in Granada, Um, my goal, my personal goal, my end game, at the end of it all, is to point you to Jesus. And if it doesn't come across that I've tried to do that, then I'm doing something wrong. My desire is that you would learn and love the voice of Jesus above all. Because his voice is the one worth hearing. And if you're ever confronted with a voice claiming to be honoring God that tells you otherwise, then that is a voice not worth listening to. There is no other entry gate belonging to God and his family than through the gate that is offered in the person of Jesus Christ. Every other way is false, incomplete, will at best let you down, and at worst will destroy you. Verse 10 says a thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus wasn't talking about the devil here. He was literally talking directly to corrupt false shepherds in front of the crowds of people who saw them expel a blind man. So they would know once and for all that they wore righteousness like a mask in order to advance their own gain and agendas. But Jesus is our shepherd, is our protector, our savior, and the gate that can stand between us and those who would seek to destroy us as his children who are called by his voice. Remember how I said um, escape rooms only have one way in and one way out. Well, the gate for the sheep swings in two directions as well. Our third observation today is this, the gate leads leads us out into abundant life. We aren't just brought into safety, but we are led out into a life that is more than what we could ever fathom. Abundant life and being protected by our shepherd doesn't mean a life of ease, but it does mean that we're cared for by a shepherd, by a savior who knows our trials, our pain, our sufferings and is able to grace us with the joy that only he can deliver, and that outlasts the trials that we face. Even when everything around you feels like it's closing in, there is a peace he can provide you that will sustain you. Um, I'd love to share with you a psalm. Uh, for those of you who have been uh, with us at Story City for the past month, I feel the need to give a disclaimer that this is an upbeat one. It's not a psalm of lament. i um, But in one of the most recognizable psalms of scripture, we see this shepherd imagery in Psalm 23. And uh, David writes in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. God promises through his son, Jesus Christ, and our good shepherd, that we will be guided into great pastures. The promise is that the world as we know it, if we belong to Christ, will not be the world as we know it forever. He is faithful and true to bring us into abundant life. He will bring us into abundant life, giving us the grace, peace, and joy that nothing else can provide, that will sustain us through all of life's most pressing and difficult seasons. Strife in your family, your shepherd will sustain you. Troubles at work, your shepherd will sustain you. Tensions and relationships, your shepherd will, sus- will sustain you. Um, I, was, I was praying and, and thinking specifically about coming here uh, to Burbank to, to share with you guys today. And um, I know here, um, I don't know who all here today, but I know a lot of you are involved in the industry and stuff out here. And um, I'm sure you're being impacted by everything that's been going on there. Uh, with the strikes and stuff and I'll say this Um, I just wanted to speak to that really quickly and say I can't pretend to know exactly what you're walking through but um, as recent as the past year I've known what it's like to live day to day in the uncertainty of how the next bill is going to be paid or how the next set of groceries are going to be bought but please know that our shepherd still carries us under his provision and protection and he will not let you go the reason why jesus the gate for the sheep the reason why he calls us into the flock the reason why the reason that he can bring us into safety and the reason that he can lead us into abundant life is because jesus christ is a good shepherd who will lay down his life for his sheep beyond the main passage we read today jesus goes on to say that he is the good shepherd because unlike a hired hand he doesn't do it for the paycheck He doesn't bail on us when threats arise. He doesn't clock out at the end of the day. Jesus looks over, gathers, protects, and gives life to his people because of his great love for them. A love so great that he was willing to give his life for it in order that all of us who would hear his voice and believe in him, just like the blind man did, would receive eternal forgiveness for our sins and would be blessed with abundant joy now and eternal life to come. Jesus Christ, he is the only way in to God's kingdom and he's the only way out to true, full, abundant life. He is the only gate. Let's pray. Lord, I recognize you today as the only way. And Lord, I've been guilty of looking for other ways, easier ways, less painful ways, less complicated ways, God, but you are the only way in, the only way out. And Lord, we thank you for loving us enough that you would make that way available to us, that you come, that you look for us, that you gather us to you, and that um, you're patient with us. You know us. You know when we lag. You know when we get a little too impulsive. And you're patient with us, and you love us, and you give us grace. And I thank you so much for that. I pray, Lord, anybody hearing your voice today would hear it, cut through any of the other noise so they could hear you just like the blind man did and have their life changed forever. We love you, Lord. We thank you for all that you do, whether we see it or not. In Christ's name, amen.